Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and the Seahawks are taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up on Sunday, the 6-2 and two Seattle Seahawks, and facing their third NFC South opponent of the season. And here to talk about it, joining me, Anthony Knockreiner from KGEZ. Anthony, how you doing? Brandon, really appreciate it, man. Always enjoy talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my favorite team, even though uh, it's not looking too good right now for the Bucs. <laughs> it's been a rough year for the Bucs so far, but I you guess. have seen some positive things from them. You guys, you took down the L.A. Rams, which I feel like as a Seahawks fan, I, I do have to show you some appreciation for. Well, I mean, that was I think that's probably the highlight win so far of the season is the fact that one, we were able to score the most points in our franchise's history with 55 and then also beat a team uh, like the Rams. I mean, that's not easy to do. Uh, you would think if we beat the Rams, we can at least beat the Titans last week, but we weren't able to do that. Uh, but I mean, there are some highlights. I mean, listen, the offense, when Jameis Winston is on his game, the offense looks really, really good. We're still having trouble running the football. And I think that's the missing link for Jameis Winston, because if we had a running game, and if you go back to when we still had Doug Martin, and I think of Jameis's first year, when he had a running game and when he was, had some time to throw because of that running game, he was able to do a lot of really nice things, and he wasn't so easy to pick apart. Uh, but when we see Jameis Winston, I mean, I look at some of the numbers, he's throwing nearly 30 to 35 to 45 times a game. Uh, that just increases the chances for Jameis to make a mistake, and uh, unfortunately, he's made way, a couple too many as, um, you know, essentially he's still fighting whether or not he's going to be our future. And right now it's not looking that way. I'm a little bit surprised because Ronald Jones was one of those guys coming out of the draft that I, I felt like a lot of people were very high on. And it seems like between him and Peyton Barber, it's it's kind of been about the same, whether you plug in one or the other. It has been, but I think with Ronald Jones, I, I think it's a misleading stat because we just have struggled running the football. Yeah. But ultimately I would say though, that's come down to the offensive line. And you look at some of the places that Tampa Bay has spent a lot of draft capital. We spent a ton of it in the secondary this past year. Uh, we spent a lot of draft capital on the defensive line. We spent a lot of draft capital on the receivers and the tight end position. But what we haven't really done is really addressed the offensive line spot through the draft, at least well, uh, we do have Ali Marpet. Got him in the third round, and that's kind of worked out for Tampa Bay, but still Donovan Smith. That doesn't look like that's going to pan out because he hasn't played very well. Wasn't really thrilled with that pick when we made it uh, in the second round of the 2015 draft. But uh, so I think we're going to need some new offensive linemen because I think that's a bigger part of it. Ronald Jones has shown uh, some bursts and shown that he can definitely be a guy that's going to be elite at this in this uh, in the NFL. Uh, but I think it's going to come down to our offensive line and just getting some better players along that line to open up things in the run game. Because there's no question we can throw the football with Godwin, with Mike Evans. Maybe if we use O.J. Howard, which I don't understand why we don't do that, especially with Brashard Perryman running the wrong routes and miscommunicating with the quarterback, leading to some of these interceptions that Jameis has thrown. I don't know why we don't use the tight end O.J. Howard. It definitely seems like when you look at the offensive line for the Bucks, that the tackles are the weakness for this team because you you mentioned Donovan Smith, 21 pressures allowed on the season, four penalties, and then you look over at the right tackle spot with DeMar Dotson, and he's given up 18 pressures and has five penalties. So the most penalized guys and the most guys giving up pressure are those two tackle spots on the offensive line. 
I don't blame DeMar Dotson entirely because DeMar has done a great job for the franchise. I mean, he's probably one of our longest tenured Buccaneers. Uh, this guy is, a guy, I think he might have been still playing even when John Gruden was the head coach. I know for a fact, at least, when Raheem Morris was the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so DeMar Dotson is just showing his age, and, and that's a problem, obviously. Uh, but he's done a lot of really nice things for us in his career. Uh, but it is time, I think, when we go to the offseason to look at moving on from DeMar Dotson. Donovan Smith... Um, He's just a guy that just hasn't panned out. I don't think he's really worth that second-round grade. He just hasn't become an elite left tackle or even an average left tackle, in my opinion. Uh, he just hasn't taken that step uh, in a lot of ways that, you know, with Jameis, where it's just like always one thing that's holding him back. It's just he hasn't taken that next step to being at least a, a, a better-than-average tackle, and that's what we need at this point because you don't have to have, you know, elite, all-pro Pro Bowl tackle left tackles all the time. I mean, not every team has one of those. If you got them, great. But at the same time, if we could just get a, a better than average tackle right now, that would be huge just to allow us to be able to run the football. Because I really like our center, Ryan Jensen. Marpet at guard's pretty good. We still have to figure out what the other guard spot's going to be. We've had Alex Kappa there. Um, it's tough to see whether or not he's actually improving. He's a guy I really did like as a late round pick, but it just hasn't seemed to have been able to connect the dots for him at the NFL level just yet. Well, those guys are in charge of protecting Jameis Winston and Winston has been a turnover machine this year, Anthony. And I, I know I probably don't need to tell you this, but when you look <laughs> at their five losses, 15 turnovers by the Bucks, and in their mm -hmm. two wins, one turnover. And so if Jameis Winston, if Winston could just protect the football, I, I feel like that's what keeps you guys in games. I'll tell you what, how different would our season be if we don't have those 15 turnovers? Because you look at it, I mean, you go back to week one against the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, we had that team beat until Jameis throws a pick six. Then we, you know, we're still trailing later in that game and we got a chance to go for the game winner. He throws a pick to end it. I mean, it's so tough because when Jameis is good, you're just like, there's the franchise guy. There's the franchise quarterback we thought he could be. But then there's that Jameis, what are you doing? As you mentioned, the 15 turnovers, you go back to the six turnover game against Carolina. He's forcing things. And he's, I mean, the, the problem is, too, and you look and you even go back to that 2015 NFL draft and not to get too far away from Jameis, but Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston always linked because of that draft because they were one, two. Right. You look at the, when you go back to the scouting reports of both of those quarterbacks, what were the biggest issues? and the downgrades for each of these guys. For Jameis, it was the turnover bug because he turned the ball way too much over at uh, Florida State. And for Marcus, it was his injury bug. Yeah. And look at Marcus Mariota. He can't stay healthy. So, I mean, Jameis just hasn't been able to get rid of it and at this point, uh, I don't know if he ever will because uh, it just doesn't seem to work. He, he needs a running game. Again, he's not going to be, and, and I think that's the problem with the modern-day NFL. Everyone's looking for their next Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. There also needs to be an understanding that there's only a few teams that have those type of guys that can throw the ball 40, 50 times and not turn it over. Uh, Jameis Winston is a guy that can be a pro bowler, but he needs a running game, and he needs to maybe throw the football 25 to 30 times, at most 32 or 33 in a given game to be successful because – you're, all you're doing is every time he drops back, and if you're doing it 50 times a game, all you're doing is increasing the chances of him making a mistake and trying to thread a ball where it probably shouldn't go because he just does that. He thinks he can put it there. He thinks, I mean, he does have some arm talent, but he just doesn't have it to where he can really thread that thing between NFL defensive backs. Well, having a chance to go back and watch some of the Bucks games from earlier on the season, 
Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians might be the perfect quarterback coach tandem because I know how much Arians loves just gunning it downfield. And Jameis is, you mentioned the arm talent. He has that and he loves throwing the ball deep and he's actually done it pretty well this season. Apart from the interceptions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was about to say, I'm sure his completion percentage on the deep ball is probably pretty good if you count the interceptions. But that's that's an interesting part, Brandon, is that he's he's better with a deep ball this year a little bit. But it still doesn't feel like he connects because it feels like he's constantly overthrowing receivers. He overthrew Deshaun Jackson a number of times last year. Deshaun Jackson's production dipped when Jameis Winston came back. I don't know if necessarily, I'm going to kind of disagree. I don't know if a Bruce Arians is really the guy for Jameis Winston because I think Jameis does need, you know, those crossing routes and those kinds of things. Maybe not dink and dunk his way down the field, take the shots when you can get him, but consistently getting the ball down the field and on target, that has been an issue for Jameis Winston, which has led to interceptions. I think of last week, I don't necessarily put this on Jameis Winston. Rashard Perryman, who I don't know why is still on the roster, was running the wrong route towards the end of the game against Tennessee as we're trying to win the win the ball game. And Jameis thinks he's going inside. Instead, Perriman goes outside. Well, the ball's already gone, and there goes a Tennessee Titans safety to intercept it towards the end of the game. I th- want to say I think that was Vaccaro maybe, but uh, either way, I think for, for, for Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians, I don't know if he really is the right guy here just because he's older, I don't really know if he's going to stick around for this because guess what? You know, Bruce Arians is accustomed to winning games. When he turned around Arizona, there was at least improvement. There wasn't these frustrated, this frustration, frustrating losses the way we've seen him. He's missed him this many turnovers as well. Uh, he was able to kind of resurge Carson Palmer's career. And I just don't see that right now with Jameis Winston. And ultimately, we're getting to the halfway point where Tampa is going to have to make a decision on whether or not you know, is Bruce Arians going to want to groom a rookie quarterback with the potential of the rookie draft class? Uh, do we franchise tender Jameis Winston and give him one more year with Bruce Arians? It's a very interesting situation. And I'm just not fully confident in Bruce Arians right now because he has thrown some players under the bus. He threw the wide receiver group under the bus. I told last- you. I told you that would happen. <laughs> I know you did. You definitely did. Absolutely. And, it, and it's growing tiresome. Because it's not just the wide receiver group. It's not just one group. I mean, it's the same mistakes over and over again. I mean, you look in the secondary. We're number 32 in the pass on defense, but we're number one in rush defense. I give Todd Bowles a lot of credit, but what are we doing in the secondary where it doesn't matter? I mean, Brandon, you could line up a quarterback for the Seahawks this week and probably throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns against our secondary. I just have to know that I need to throw Vernon Hargrave's way, uh, maybe dump some off uh, right around Levante David's area and uh, Carlton Davis uh, throw at him some too. Those seem to be the three guys that uh, if I were Russell Wilson, I'd want to target. I don't know about Levante David. I mean, Levante David, I feel like still having a pretty good season. Hargraves and Carlton Davis, for sure. Trying to think of our nickel defensive backs. All I know is maybe their names are burned because that's all they seem to be getting done. (laughs) Well, and I I point out David because uh, he's been giving up some of the most yards after the catch of any guys on the Tampa Bay defense and has six missed tackles on the year. So, you know, maybe it's just uh, he's having a hard time with those little dump off passes to the running backs. Uh, maybe because like I said I mean it, it is interesting obviously new scheme this year 3-4 defense I feel like Levante David maybe a little bit outside of his comfort zone uh, just because now he's playing more in the middle and now uh, instead of playing on the outside granted he's got great speed uh, so it really shouldn't change much because if you're playing on the outside you're still covering the flare routes and those kinds of things but it is interesting with Levante David I, I, like I said I think the other thing is too is you go back to last week for Tampa Bay 
there was just visual. You could see the frustration, the hate of losing because that's all we've done for the last decade. Tampa Bay, ever since we fired Gruden, which looks like it's been a terrible mistake. I mean, Gruden in year two of the Oakland Raiders uh, has already looked like he's got that, you know, culture changed and they're at least a competitive football team. Right now, we still are getting blown out by good football teams. And when the teams we do have a chance against to actually beat, we find a way to screw it up late. And so uh, ever since Tampa Bay's fired Gruden, I feel like it's, I don't want to say a curse, but certainly feels that way because we really haven't had a winning season besides 10 and 6, 9 and 7 and maybe eight and eight. That's three seasons out of nearly a decade, and that's not very good, and that's not going to get it done. And so for this defense, going back to Levante David, I wonder if it's just, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of the franchise. You know, I wonder if that's starting to set in because Gerald McCoy is now at Carolina and because Tampa Bay let him go. I'm sure Levante David wants to finish in Tampa, but man, I'll tell you what, losing does wear on people, and it can get to a point where it's just absolutely frustrating. One guy who's really tearing it up on the Tampa Bay defense is Shaquille Barrett, the free agent pickup. And Mm -hmm. holy smokes, 10 sacks on the season. And uh, I I have to imagine that you really like that signing. Although, who else is really getting all that much pressure on the quarterback apart from uh, Barrett? Well, Carl Nassib is another guy that you got to watch for because while maybe he doesn't have the sacks, he is bringing the pressures and he's coming from the other side. I think Carl Nassib is kind of going underrated. If I'm Tampa Bay, I'm signing both of those guys. Now, the one thing that worries me is Barrett. I don't know. I don't think he's fully healthy because, you know, the first couple weeks of the season, he almost had eight sacks and you've got 10 now. So that means he's only had a couple of sacks in the last couple of weeks and he hasn't been getting to the quarterback as much as we'd like. Uh, I think teams are starting to game plan against him, which obviously makes sense because guess what? He's coming after the quarterback pretty hard. So I think to expect those numbers and to see a kind of a slow in production as the season moves on, I get it. But Carl Nassib is another guy that has shown he can get to the quarterback, but he definitely needs to pick it up now as Barrett's getting it to the other side. And I think with both of those guys, you can you know, you know can line up Nassib anywhere you want. Barrett can pretty much do the same. I think it's just more dangerous uh, for uh, the Tampa Bay defensive line and any offensive line that they face with those two guys on the field. And, oh, by the way, I know we have Indomitian Sue on our defensive line. Don't worry, he's not going to be a factor. He's just he's there in Tampa Bay to cash a paycheck. Well, he's, he's not there in terms of, of rushing the passer, but you pointed out the fact that the Tampa Bay Bucks have the number one rushing defense, and I think that has a lot to do with Indomitian Sue and also Vita Vea in the middle. I would give more credit to Vita Vea than I would to Sue on this one because I've seen some of the effort that uh, from Sue. Because, I mean, here's the other thing, too. I would agree with you if Sue actually was racking up tackles, but it doesn't feel like he's actually racking up tackles. <laughs> Vita Vea, you, people have pointed out on film study, Vita Vea is so strong that he's moving centers in incredible ways. He's taken on guards at the same time, and he's not being moved. And the funny part is, is a couple of years ago when they did draft him out of Washington, I was just like, what are we doing here with Vita Vea? But now it's really starting to pay off. And I would just give more credit to Vita Vea. I'm not really, I was never really thrilled with the Sioux signing to begin with. He hasn't brought that tenacity on the, de- on the defensive line that everyone thought he would. I'd rather have Gerald McCoy right now. Mm-hmm. I thought Gerald McCoy's production was a lot better. I mean, essentially we were paying Sue $10 million to do what exactly. And then we're going to let him go at the end of the year. So it's going to be a wasted signing and all we're going to be is, Oh yeah, Sue did play for the bucks that, that one season. So I think Vita Vea deserves a lot more credit uh, for what he has been able to do. If he goes down, I think Tampa Bay's rush defense uh, goes down with it. If he goes down with injury. Well, one other thing that I've noticed about the Tampa Bay Bucks defense, a heavily blitzing defense. Does it feel like you guys are just, are, are sending pressure a, a lot for this Bucks defense? 
Oh, considering the fact we got no corners that can really defend the receivers, uh, I think we have to blitz. I think we have to try and move the quarterback off the spot. I mean, even in the win against the Rams, Jared Goff still threw for like 500 yards. So, I mean, here's the here's the deal. We have to move quarterbacks. We have to try and hit home as many times as we can because we just don't have the secondary that uh, can just sit back and you can actually you know force a quarterback to hold on to the football. It just hasn't happened yet. So you have to blitz him. And I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you got linebackers like Levon. David, our first round pick and Devin White definitely bring those guys because they can definitely get after the quarterback from the linebacker position. I really do like their double A gap blitzes. We do see that a lot. I would expect a heavy dose of that this week uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, especially with that new center that you guys have. Mm -hmm. And so I would expect to see that uh, Levante David, Devin White to be lining up a lot in that double A gap to uh, bring more pressure because uh, let's face it. I mean, I think this, I think potentially in this game, there could be a lot of high scoring because Russell Wilson's going to have the ability and the advantage to throw the football against our secondary uh, with the wide receivers that you guys have with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and all those guys. And then at the same time, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are going to be available, I think, for Jameis Winston this week. All right, Anthony. Well, let's take a quick break. I want to come back and I want to talk to you about how I think the Seahawks might attack the Bucks defense. And I also want to talk about the receiving core that you guys have. We talked about them a little bit, but go a little bit more in depth there and then we'll get your prediction for Sunday's game. Joined by Anthony Knockreiner of KGEZ. I join his show Knock on Sports every week. And Anthony is a huge Tampa Bay Bucks fan. So I, I thought it was only right to bring him on and help me break down this game coming up on Sunday. And here's what I think that the, the Seahawks are going to do on offense. I, I noticed that you do have the top ranked rushing defense, but I don't think that's going to stop Pete Carroll from at least trying. Because one of the things when I look back at some of the Bucks games, it does seem kind of boom or bust. You know, it's it's either the running backs get stopped right at the line or you do see those explosive plays happen, those rushes that where the running back gets down 15 20 yards down the field. And and so I think that's going to tempt Carroll to to go for to to try and run the ball against this Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Well, I really think it's going to depend on how you guys do with your new center. Obviously, Justin Britt would be a different story. I think I agree with you because Derrick Henry, I mean, for the most part, got stopped, but he did have some big runs, as you alluded to. And I think it's because of the blitzes that we see. I think that Todd Bowles does a great job with some of the run blitzes mm. that really forces uh, running backs to have to change their mind of where they think they can go when they run the football. I, I expect Chris Carson, he's not afraid of contact, so I'd also expect that he's going to meet Devin White and Levante David and those guys in the hole and, and not be afraid to lower the shoulder. Um, I think it really does depend, though, where that matchup is. Is Vita Vea, if he's able to get uh, penetration over your new center, I think it's going to make it a very long day for Chris Carson because uh, Vita Vea is just so strong, as we talked about in the previous segment. Uh, I think that's going to open up things for the linebackers to get two plays. If he occupies one or two maybe three offensive linemen, depending on how the game goes. Uh, but, I mean, I agree with you, though. It is boom or bust. Uh, but I think for Tampa Bay's defense, they have to stop Chris Carson in order to give themselves a chance. Because if you can at least know that you can stop the run, you can spend at least a little bit more time trying to worry about Russell Wilson in the passing game. Well, I, I'm worried about the passing game, though, on the Bucks side of things, too, because we, we've talked about Jameis Winston, but we haven't really gone into those weapons that he has because you have Chris Godwin with 700 plus yards on the season receiving. You have Mike Evans, who's probably one of 
gosh, you probably got to put him in the top five receivers in the NFL. And, you know, he's averaging something like 15 yards per catch, something crazy. And and then you have your tight ends. I know you're disappointed about O.J. Howard, but Cameron Brait, he's also uh, been one of those guys at tight end. I feel like this could be a good tight end day. Uh, but also, I mean, it could be a rough day for the Seahawks corners having to deal with Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin. Well, Mike Evans, I mean, he said after the game against Tennessee, and I thought he was absolutely right because, I mean, he had a, a great day against Tennessee, but they went away from him in the second half. The dude's six foot five. You put it in the vicinity of Mike Evans, he's usually going to come down with it if you give him an opportunity to catch the football. Uh, Mike Evans is one of the top wide receivers. Unfortunately for uh, his sake, he doesn't get the proper recognition just because on Tampa Bay is just not a very good football team. So obviously those guys that are really good, they get mentioned, but they don't get the accolades they deserve. And that's being the case here. Chris Godwin, another one. I mean, we've got great skill players that we just need to get the football to. I think uh, Chris Godwin is a very good, he's, he's the go-to man for Jameis on third down. Mm-hmm. I think he's uh, leading the league in terms of third down receptions that are turned into first downs as well. So Chris Godwin uh, is a guy that watch on third down. Mike Evans will be that deep shot, and especially in the red zone with that frame. But even I've seen Mike Evans with some frustration, especially when he goes uh, you know, running down, down the field, uh, whether it be a long streaking route or a post route down the middle of the field where Jameis overthrows him, and he's open. I mean, that's a part of it is, again, that uh, – trouble of Jameis Winston not connecting down the field and uh, for Mike Evans I think he can have a great game against the Seattle secondary especially after uh, Schaub gave up or threw for I'm sorry uh, 460 yards against you Julio Jones had a great day Ridley had a great day Hooper had a pretty good day as well Uh, I think this is a big game for all these receivers for Tampa Bay Uh, the question will just be whether or not Jameis Winston can get it to him instead of letting a Seahawks defender step right in front of him yeah, well, I, I do look for a big day from Shaquille Griffin, hopefully covering uh, Mike Evans on the right side. It does seem like they spread him out right or left side pretty well. And uh, Julio obviously getting a lot of his catches with the Falcons on that left side of the defense, especially with Trey Flowers out. But hopefully he'll be back this week and and may help the the defense a little bit in that regard, because it it does seem like Jameis has more luck throwing to the right side of the field than he does to the left side of the field. Have you noticed anything like that uh, with Winston? It's so tough to tell because he throws interceptions to the left and to the right. Sometimes (laughs) he fumbles to the right too. I mean, I I think Jameis, I mean, obviously I think Jameis, you know, has his tendencies and that's where people key on him about. Um, But it is tough to say, I I actually haven't noticed whether or not he tends to go right more, go to the left. But I think for Tampa Bay, uh, you know, Whoever's open, find Chris Godwin, get him the ball. We just need to get our playmakers the football. We can't go away from them. I don't know why we went away from him last week against Tennessee. Uh, you can't go away from it in this game. Jameis just has to continue to find, uh, you know, Chris Godwin. I think Chris Godwin does line up a lot on the right side. I, I think I have noticed that. But mm. either way, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, if he's available, hopefully he's healthy this week. Cameron Brait, too. Cameron, Braid, Cameron Braid's more dangerous in the red zone. Yeah. Cameron Brait's kind of our blocking tight end because he's just got that frame uh, to do so. O.J. Howard, I don't know why they use him for blocking. They really should just split him out a wide receiver if they're not going to use him as a true, true tight end. But I think for, for Tampa Bay, they've got the skill players to win this football game and really cause havoc all over that defense because I even like the matchup with O.J. Howard uh, against Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright. I think with O.J. Howard's size, he can definitely win the matchup there. Uh, but again, it's whether or not Jameis Winston 
is willing to pull the trigger and read things quickly because I think the other problem is, too, in this Bruce Arians offense, the windows are a little bit – he has to read those quicker. And I don't know if he's reading those quickly enough to where he's recognizing it and then maybe a second off, and that's when a defender is stepping in because they're reading his eyes. Yeah, six touchdowns for Godwin, six for Evans, and then two for Cameron Brait. So uh, those are your your pass catchers once you get to the end zone. So uh, definitely – Look for Brait, I think, if you're a Seahawks fan toward the, or if you're a Seahawks defender when uh, when the Tampa Bay Bucks get into the red zone. So, Anthony, I, I want to thank you for coming on. And before we go, wh- what do you predict for Sunday's game between the, the Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Bucks? Oh, well, I said it to you earlier on my show, and I think what's going to happen is I think Tampa Bay is going to jump out to an early lead. I think we'll get up ten uh, nothing, maybe fourteen nothing early, uh, and then you know things are going to look good, and then you guys are going to respond. I think we could look at possibly a twenty-one seventeen game uh, going into halftime. Uh, I think you guys leading the way. Uh, then in the second half, I think it's it's either the third quarter where Tampa Bay's offense is going to just be stuck in neutral, and that's where you guys kind of key on things and start to wear down our defense. Uh, we're going to make it a game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be a close game. Unfortunate for the Seahawks fans. Uh, this is going to be another nail biter but i think somehow some way which has been the trend all season long there's going to be something where Tampa shoots themselves in the foot you know you go back to week two against carolina bruce arians almost cost us that game by calling a timeout that we didn't have and then you look at uh, some of the other things that have cost us uh in games before uh there's just going to be something i don't know what it will be whether it be a Jameis winston turnover a bruce arians mistake There'll just be something that costs Tampa Bay late, and that's going to give the Seattle Seahawks a chance uh, to win the football game and put it away. Five and a half point favorites right now, Seattle over Tampa Bay. That that kind of seems like when you say it's close, do you think it's going to be closer than that? Or uh, I think within okay. a touchdown, I wouldn't have a problem with that five and a half points right there. I think it will be. I think it'll be close enough for Tampa Bay to at least say, okay, we got a game-winning drive chance, but Tampa Bay has to score a touchdown in order uh, to win. I would think Seattle might have a five- or six-point lead at that point. Well, Anthony, thanks for coming on. Uh, Looking forward to the game on Sunday. We're going to be there. I'm really looking forward to it, and it's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to it, Brandon. Can't wait to go. Love visiting stadiums. I've been to uh, Soldier Field. Uh, I was at the Metrodome once as well before they tore it down. Uh, I've toured some of the NFC North facilities uh, as well. So looking forward to experience that atmosphere and that loud crowd as well. Uh, I do need some help, Brandon. Which, which jersey do you think I should go with, Jameis or, or Levante David? Which one should I wear? Ooh, um, I think uh, I think you should go with Jameis. Support your quarterback. Okay, so we'll go with Jameis Winston. I'll wear that jersey, and uh, like I said, I, I expect uh, the Seattle fans to heckle me, uh, but I, I look forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, man, I really appreciate you bringing me along. A big thanks once again to Anthony Knockreiner of KGEZ, and who knows, maybe he will be joining me once again to talk about this for the postgame show after Sunday's game, so look for that. Stay tuned right here, fieldgoals.com. You can subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts, and we'll talk to you again in the coming days. Go Hawks! Go Hawks!